When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to College Football Live with Dusty Dvorak and Takeo Spikes. I'm Zubin Mahenti. Let's get right into it. Fellas, Clemson opens the season September 4th. Tricky game at Duke. A lot of people circling it. Dabo Sweeney earlier today at practice on his biggest takeaway. The biggest thing I was pleased with today is I thought our twos closed the gap a little bit. I thought our, you know, we kind of because we kind of went ones on twos all day today. And, you know, the last scrimmage I saw a pretty good gap. And, I, and, and again, we held a few guys, but this scrimmage I saw some guys kind of make some strides and, and, you know, show that they belong. A little reset here for you on Clemson. We're going to talk about Garrett Riley, their new OC, in just a little bit. But, fellas, take a look at that top line. You know things are different and you're graded on a curve when you win 11 games last year and people somehow thought you had in offseason. That's a kind of place of where Clemson stands at this moment. Dusty, let's start with you. So, 11 wins in 22. People thought it was a downer because they didn't go to the playoff. How do you see them in 23? I think they're right back competing for an ACC championship. Them and Florida State, to me, are the class of the ACC. I think they're right back there knocking on the door for a college football playoff. Garrett Riley's going to make an impact offensively, and I think it's pretty clear Cade Klubnick seems like that next great quarterback there at Clemson. Love the backfield, like the receivers. Antonio Williams, a freshman, was excellent a season ago. And that defense is going to be ferocious. Front seven is loaded once again. Tyler Davis, Ruka Roro up front. You know, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Barrett Carter, McCuba on the back end. They got dudes all over, and it seems like they're going to start to figure it out. Once that offense gets going to Keogh, this could be another run we see Clemson making out of the college football playoff. And I agree with you, too, on that, Dusty, because before you have any chance championship aspirations, it's important that you get out of the conference. Look, over the past eight years, they've won that conference seven times, and I expect for them to be able to do it again this year. Kay Klubnick, after watching film of this young man, I am excited to see him play, bringing over Garrett, the offensive coordinator coming over from TCU, Cade has a lot of potential, a lot of ability. Watching him on film, he, do, he throws the deep ball well. The mobility is good. He has a good understanding on when to be able to use touch on the ball going across the middle. I'm impressed, and I think it's going to be the reemergence of Clemson this year knocking on the door for the college football playoff. Takiyo, I want to circle back with you there. I totally agree with what you guys said about Club Dick taking the next step and a healthy Will Shipley. That seems to be the most important thing. He doesn't be able to seem to stay healthy. What are you seeing, though, from the Clemson defense? That's kind of the one side of the ball there that's really not talked about very much. Yeah, they're not, and rightfully so. You look at Miles Murphy and with the departures of other defensive linemen on 
the defensive side. They had 44 sacks last year that put them in the top five. And so when we look at them overall, you question what are they going to do to rebuild and reload? Well, Dabo said it earlier. He thought the twos closed the gap. And what that really means, the twos are the guys on the defensive line that we don't even know about yet. A lot of high touted five-star recruits coming in. I've been hearing those guys been able to make plays. Jeremiah Trotter, one of my favorites, really love everything that he brings to the game. He's a complete linebacker when you talk about being in pass coverage and also stopping the run. Defensively, they are going to be just as good as they were last year. Yeah, and remember, Wes Goodwin, he took over for Brent Venables when he came to Oklahoma. So that was the first year Goodwin was actually calling plays. I think year two, he'll get even more comfortable as well. When you got depth, like Dabo feels that he does, that's always key ingredients to a championship. So is scheduling. And that's the other aspect I love about Clemson this year. Their toughest opponents, Florida State, Notre Dame, North Carolina, they all come to Death Valley there at Tiger Stadium. I think that really sets up well for this Clemson team to get back to where they were so accustomed. First six playoffs, they were there every year. Last two, they haven't been there. Dabo wants to get back to competing for national championships, and the schedule, it sets up pretty well for that. No question about it, guys. We've seen Isaiah Simmons. We saw Brian Brzee. There's always a guy that's going to pop for them, as Takeo said. Keep an eye on that defensive side of the ball. Let's go from defense to offense. You saw that right on your screen. An Oregon Duck in New York, 315 Park Avenue South, if anybody actually wants to make the trip to see the bodacious billboard there in Midtown Manhattan. If you're old enough to remember, yes, 2001, Joey Harrington had one in Times Square, tongue planted firmly in cheek. I guess the Nike money isn't what it used to be because they should have had Bodacious up there in Times Square. The Pac-12 has five teams in the top 25 and has six terrific quarterbacks. Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Penix has been great. Rising is coming off the ACL. We'll see what happens with DJ. We just had the Clemson discussion. He obviously transferred from Clemson to Oregon State and then Deion's son, Shador. But I want to focus in on the guy on the billboard to see if he is as advertised, no pun intended. Takiyo, let's start with you. Um, where does Bo Nix rank among those six quarterbacks we just showed in a loaded QB league? I'm going to put Bo Nix as the number two quarterback in the Pac-12. And my reasoning is this. I've had the opportunity to watch Bo Nix not only just since high school, but going back to his college days at my alma mater, Auburn. One of the knocks on Bo Nix at that time, he would try to do too much. He would try to force passes. This is a different Bo Nix from what I saw from last year. Threw for over 3,500 yards and only turned the football over from the interception standpoint seven times. And so now for me, I've seen him take that next step of not only just relying on the pieces of the puzzle around him, but getting everybody else involved. And it shows in his game week in and week out when you look at last year. Yeah, I totally agree. I love the completion percentage. You're around 72%. You're flat out getting it done. The other thing that you didn't mention to Keo is his mobility. 14 rushing touchdowns. He's a weapon as a runner. He's got speed and knows what to do with the football in his hand when he's in the open field. Caleb Williams obviously sits at number one. I've got Bo Nix, too, just like you. Now, Michael Penix Jr., he was sensational last year, rekindling that relationship with his former coordinator in Indiana, Kellen DeBoer. And 375 yards a game per game, led the FBS in passing yards per game. He was awesome. He's got great wide receivers outside. 
but the mobility factor for me just gives Bo Nix a little bit more. And as a defender, man, there's nothing worse than having to deal with a quarterback that's got mobility who can take it to the house at any moment. So I go Bo Nix two, Michael Penix three, but this Pac-12, it's loaded. And how about Cam Rising, guys? He's the one with the jewelry. He's got two Pac-12 championships yet. Can't even get a sniff at the top three. That's a great point. That is the deal. Rising is the guy to watch. It's amazing after all the success that Utah's had. Whittingham still underrated. Rising still coming off an ACL injury. It should be one of the biggest stories of the offseason is a great point. You know, so one day, as strange as it sounds, Oregon is going to be sharing the Big Ten Conference with Northwestern. They're going to open the season at Rutgers September 3rd. Obviously, you know everything that's going on there. The hazing allegations the firing of head coach Pat Fitzgerald, leaving David Braun, who came over from North Dakota State in January as the interim head coach. He's going to be repeating some version of this pretty much every week during the season. We've had an opportunity, Adam, to uh, go through extensive education when it comes to hazing, uh, you know, as a team and as a staff. That education will continue. And uh, we're, being, we're being very mindful of uh, making sure that we find ways to allow this team to build and become cohesive and have fun in team meetings, you know, with music and, you know, making sure that this isn't an environment where it's, it's just business. I mean, this team needs to come together. But uh, to answer your question directly, we are very calculated in the fact that um, we, we got to make sure that we move forward in an appropriate manner and take the education that we received and, and move forward appropriately. Fellas, these 85 guys are in a position I don't think they ever asked to be in, want to be in, and I don't think anybody's really been in this type of situation under this sort of social media environment that we're getting today. They're getting it on all ends as they move towards that September 3rd opener. Takiel, let's start with you. Both of you guys played. I mean, how do you even begin to compartmentalize this now that the season is oh so close. I think it's important to state when you compartmentalize things, especially as a player, that usually happens when you get on the football field. And you have a tendency not to think about all of the other things that comes into play. And so I think for Coach Brown, what's important is, number one, you have to start being intentional with the time that you have off the field we're building team camaraderie, doing things to where it's going to force certain guys to be able to talk to each other. And you get a better understanding and you start to build a rapport with each other. And when you build a rapport with each other as players, then you, that's when you care. You care because sometimes you don't, have, you don't have an opportunity to get to know each other like that. I take for an example, kickers. I remember I went several years not talking to kickers on my team <laughs> just because they were not in my meeting rooms, not because I just didn't like them, but you don't actually talk to them and build a relationship with them until you need them when they kick the game when the field goes. So the intentionality of it is what's going to bring them closer together. Kickers are people too, says Takeo Spikes. Look, the, real, the reality is just focusing on football. It's got to be a bit of a sanctuary just to get away from all the noise, the social media. And let's not forget, it's around a month. They lost their head coach. I mean, they're dealing with a lot. So to just stay focused on the football at hand and get out there on that practice field. And once games start, I got to imagine these guys can't wait to keep it about the football instead of everything else.
Yeah, punters are people too, but that's a story for next month. Still to come here on College Football Live. Who are the top defenders in the country? You know Perkins and Jared Verse are on the list. Who else do the guys have to round out their top ten? We'll talk about it when College Football Live returns. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Week Zero will be here before you know it. Little piece of college football history. Fresno State's home opener against Eastern Washington September 9th will be broadcast exclusively in Spanish. It'll air on Unimas, no matter where you are watching across the country. Fresno State did put out an interesting note that 57% of their students are Hispanic. So this is going to be something that's very interesting to watch, perhaps a trendsetter. SMU and TCU, a great rivalry there in the Lone Star State, will be on pause after the 2025 seasons. You know TCU just came off the championship game appearance. SMU obviously has designs on joining the Power Five, but that is going to be on pause after the next couple of years or so. Takeo, I want to start with you. This obviously seems to be a casualty of the moment on conference realignment, losing these great rivalry games that often make a state stop on a Saturday and provide bragging rights all year long. What's the impact of losing a rivalry like this and others that are likely going to fall by the wayside? I think the, the, the impact really is shown through fan engagement. I played in one of the best rivalries of all time, Auburn, Alabama. And when you talk about rivalries, the thing what makes it so good is that fans don't care about what you've done prior in the other prior existing 10 games. It's all about what happens that week. And sometimes, even if you're down, your season record really doesn't tell the true story of what you can do in that game. And I've been a part of games to where we were picked to lose in a rivalry game, but because it was a rivalry game and everybody got up and met that expectation, we were able to beat Alabama and move on to the SEC championship. So I think from the fan engagement and then also from players more so, we want to brag about who is the best in the state, especially if both schools are in the same state. So I feel like you lose that a little bit. And don't underestimate what that does on the recruiting trail as you guys well, no. Hey, before the break, I mentioned we were going to run down the top 10 defensive players in the sport. You guys have sized them up. Dusty and Takeda are going to take us through the top 10. This is like Letterman style where we're just going to go back and forth on the top 10. Takeda, let's start with you. All right. Well, let, let's go in no particular order. I'm going to go with Jazan Newton, defensive lineman out of Illinois. The thing that I appreciate about his game 
He's so dominant, and I was always taught, if you show me a defensive lineman that can play with his hands, getting off blocks and creating pass rush, I'll show you a defensive lineman who's going to the NFL, and this guy definitely will be a top first-round pick coming up this next year. Big man can really play. Love what he's doing for that Illinois front. I'm going to keep it in the Big Ten, but I'm going to go to Happy Valley. How about Abdul Carter? The true freshman last year was nothing short of sensation. I think he might wind up being the best defensive player in the Big Ten. You know when you wear that 11, it comes with a lot of expectation. Abdul Carter's ready. He plays in that Manny Diaz defense, that havoc reeking defense and they bring him from all over six and a half sacks double digit TFLs last year he could run he's instinctive he's 6'3 250 and he shows up with bad intentions to Keo Spikes I like that man Abdul Carter Dusty well let's take it down south let's go to Florida State net next Tallahassee Jared verse defensive end listen he was a problem when they played against LSU in the first game of last year his best asset coming off of the edge. And we talk about hand play with defensive linemen. He is the master of being able to get hands down, use swipe techniques, as you see right here in the tape. He makes a lot of plays, but his power is so underrated, and that's his counter move as a pass rusher. And so for me, I really look forward to seeing him continue that this year. That game against LSU is going to be big time. All right, let's keep this thing rolling. Love talking about these defensive monsters. Let's keep it in the SEC as we're going to go to Georgia's next great defensive lineman, Michael Williams. Man, if you were watching at the end of last year, I don't know if there were many that were as impressive as him against Ohio State, against TCU. This true freshman is long and strong, 6'5", 265. He's got a good long arm. He can really dip off that edge. And he just, to me, is that next great Georgia defensive lineman that we're going to be talking about. Could be one of the better defensive linemen in all of college football as a sophomore. Well, I like the defensive lineman, but let's move on over into ACC. And we got to go with Clemson's Jeremiah Trotter. Trotter. Look, not too many times you see guys and you say, you know what? He's a dog. He comes from the pedigree of his father. This guy is a linebacker that can play on every down. He understands pass coverage. His athletic ability that allows him to be a three-down player is what makes him special. All right, let's go back to the defensive line where the money is made. I'm going to take you to Cincinnati and teach you about the godfather, Dante Corleone. That's his nickname. Dude has an 18-size shoe, 11-inch hands, and let me tell you something. He's going to make you sleep with the fishes. Dante Corleone, one of the strongest at the point guys in college football, 6'1", 323. Not many people play the run as well as Cincinnati's defensive tackle. All right, we got the front seven covered, but let's go to the secondary. Cornerback Kalen King out of Penn State. The thing I appreciate about what he brings, he's always in perfect position and he finishes the play. He's going to get the ball out. You got to give him credit for that. You touched on Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Let's go Barrett Carter, another Clemson linebacker. Versatility, plays all three downs, can rush the passer, can cover receivers, tight ends, and will set an edge as a defender. The guy is all over the place and an outstanding linebacker. My last guy, we got to go back with the linebackers. Let's go with Harold Perkins Jr. He played everything outside, inside last year. He's kind of like of a wild card. You can put him anywhere on the football field, and he's going to make plays. 
naturally instinctive, big-time playmaker. And he had his flu game against Arkansas last year. I'm going to close it up with a guy that's sweet as it gets. That's Kool-Aid McKinstry, the best cornerback in college football. He's got great length. He's got great ball skills. And, man, and the ball's in the air. He's going to make a play. Kool-Aid McKinstry, as good as it gets outside in all of college football. And, of course, first-team all-name team. So, not just on the defensive team. He's on the first-team all-name team. On the way, who says Kansas is just a basketball school? It is so much more. $300 million for an FBS program that prior to last year didn't have much to talk about. We'll talk about it next. We're back on College Football Live. Just a reminder, the Cricket Miak Swack Challenge kickoff South Carolina State and Jackson State. A great opportunity to spotlight a couple of great conferences, historically black colleges and universities, Saturday, 7.30 Eastern, and life without Dion for Jackson State. But it's a great spotlight for those two teams and those two leagues. Great piece of news for Kansas. Kansas, $300 million stadium renovation is on the way. They're probably going to start it after this season concludes, have it ready for about 2025. You might remember Kansas was the darling of last season. They got out to a 5-0 start and were the talk of the college football world. Dusty, I'm going to joke here. Only in college football can you raise $165 million and still be woefully short of what you need. At $300 million, welcome to the sport at large. What do you think about this for KU going big time here with a move like this? I think it's awesome, man. They're all in. I think there's a lot of things that speak to this. You go two years ago when Oklahoma and Texas said they're out. We didn't know if there'd be a Big 12. Fast forward two years now, and Lance Leipold in about 18 to 20 months on the job, he has taken this from a laughing stock in college football to a legitimate program off a bowl game and a lot of momentum heading up. Everybody's fired up for Kansas football, and they should be. I love the investment. I love that they say we're not just a basketball school. Football matters. Game day was there last year, selling out Memorial Stadium. I love what Lance Leipold's got going on in Lawrence. And the good thing about it, that they're returning 85% of their production on the team-wise. So when you look at their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, coming in, his QBR up until the sixth game of last year was best in the nation. He finished with this QBR third in the nation, and the only two quarterbacks that came ahead of him was Tennessee's Hendon Hooker and also, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank, but my point is is this. Bryce Young, I'm sorry, Bryce Young. So my point is is this. They have a lot to be excited about, so two thumbs up for Kansas for buying in and making sure that they can bring in more recruits to come there. Two thumbs up to my two guys, Dusty and Tequio. College Football Live back tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2.